Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Women Extraordinary Stories, a podcast by Women's Heart Engaging Network. This is where you'll hear incredible stories from women of all different backgrounds and walks of life. We hope that these stories touch you and remind you that even in the most difficult seasons of life, there is still hope. So take a moment, settle in, and get ready to hear one extraordinary story. It is a pleasure to have Paula Sinterman as our special guest speaker. She will be interviewed by her very good friend, Jassie. Paula grew up in Germany and lived in Canada for six years, during which she got a degree in theology and not-for-profit organizational leadership and worked for WEN for two and a half years. She loves books, home decor, and Starbucks. Jassie is a global youth ambassador at Alpha in New Westminster. She is one of the co-hosts in the Alpha Youth Series and has spoken at conferences and youth events for the past few years. She loves eating Oreos, drinking coffee, and taking pictures of her dog, Toby. Let's sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview together. Well, hey, Paula, how are you doing? So good. I'm excited to be with you today. I'm excited too. Um, Last time we were together, you were interviewing me and we were together in person. So, but now we're not. I know. That was so fun. I wish we could be together in person. Yeah. But our last interview together was so fun. And I feel so lucky that I get to interview you and your story now this time. And honestly, your story, everything about your story, all the little details have encouraged me so much in my journey. And I know they've encouraged other people too. So I'm excited for the new listeners today to get to hear your heart and um, everything that you've walked through. So let's just, let's just jump right in. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we're excited to hear your story, Paula. And you know what, let's just start, let's start right at the beginning. Cause not everybody listening knows you. So can you share where you were born and about your family growing up? Absolutely. I'm so excited to be here. So, um, I was born and raised in Germany and I am my parents only child. And, you know, my parents are awesome, but they um, actually ended up separating when I was seven years old. Um, so I was quite young still. And, their separation just left me feeling quite alone. I think especially as an only child, um, yeah, you just don't have any brothers or sisters. And even at that age, I was quite an introspective kid and just had a lot of thoughts and and questions about life and um, just kind of tried to make sense of them by myself. You know, didn't really voice all of them um, to other people or to get the adults in my life because it felt like other kids my age maybe weren't thinking about those things. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of tried to figure things out on my own. And uh, my mom did take me to church growing up and there were definitely, you know, some positive experiences in that. But I very vividly remember um, just the moment where someone at church said how much God hates divorce. And at that age, I just didn't have the right framework to sort that sort of statement. And because I was so introspective, I really didn't tell my mom or ask questions about it. I just really wondered um, what that would mean for me now if God hated divorce and my parents are divorced. And I kind of started to wonder if that meant that God hates me 
because my parents are divorced. And it just started to feel like church was this place where people had a standard for what a good person is supposed to look like. And they were constantly looking whether you were measuring up to that standard. And so even at a young age, I already felt like I wasn't measuring up to that standard. Um, Yeah. And so church just didn't seem that attractive to me after some time. Right. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, And, you know, you were quite young when you came to Canada too. So can you tell us a little bit about what it was like when you moved here? Yeah, for sure. So at 14, I came to Canada for the first time. Um, It was a week before my 15th birthday and I came to be an international student and do my grade 10 year there. And I was really excited to come to Canada. You know, it, it really felt like this opportunity to kind of escape my life and get a break. And, um, you know, there was a lot of international students um, who had done it in previous years who were kind of sharing their experience with us as we're preparing to go. And the general kind of consensus that they gave was, you know, this is a year for you where you don't have any parental supervision and your grades don't count at school. And you probably stay with a host family that doesn't really pay attention to what you're doing. And so you just really get to go wild and party. And so at 14 turning 15, I really came with this attitude of, you know, I just want to get out. I, I want to change the way that I'm living. And I really came expecting to go to all these crazy parties and to get drunk and take drugs and have sex and, you know, just have this escape. And it's crazy now looking back. Cause I think I was so young, you know, but, um, I think there was just this void in my life. I felt, um, this emptiness. And because I had grown up in church, I really thought that I knew, God. And so I thought, well, that didn't fix it. So let me try some other things. And um, I did not know at the time that my mom had actually been praying for months for me to stay with a Christian family in Canada. And um, yeah, that's kind of exactly what ended up happening. You know, they, it's been nine years now and they're like my family now. And um, they just, you know, they very much care where I went. They did not let me go to parties at 15 years old. And um, they took me to youth group instead and to church. And so um, they, it just felt like I had a whole other level of communication with them because, you know, they um, were not um, the same age as my parents. And so it felt more open talking to them. And I think that was really the first time in my life where all these questions that I had in my head, I really started to voice um, to other people and just have really open communication. Um, And so with them and with the people in that church, it just felt like I really found this community. um, And that's where I really encountered um, Jesus and God as a relationship and not as someone just trying to check off whether you're meeting a standard. And so that year in grade 10 is really when my faith became real. Wow. That's such a crazy story of like the intention you had coming into Canada and how that all just changed, especially like with your host family too. Like they played a huge, huge role in that. And I mean, we can't forget about your mom. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's awesome. So after you graduated high school, what came after that? Yeah, so um, I spent grade 11 and 12 back in Germany finishing high school. And as that was coming to, um, you know, a close graduation came, I just knew that I didn't really have an idea yet what I wanted to do career-wise. And um, the thing I did want to do, though, was learn more about the Bible and really build that um, foundation with stuff that I felt like I didn't know yet. And um, around the world, there are some awesome programs that kind of allow you to do just that. You know, they're kind of geared at 
um, high school grads or just young adults in general. And they're usually set in like cool locations where you get to travel and um, kind of have fun and adventure. And at the same time, learn about God and the Bible. Um, and I was looking at all those programs, but nothing really stood out to me. Nothing really felt right. Um, and then through some crazy circumstances, I actually ended up back in Canada um, in an interns program at a local church there. And that's where we met. Yeah. Oh, yes. Can't forget. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, actually, do we become friends there or do we become friends after? Because we met each other, but then we became friends like during second year, right? Because we did yes. the internship twice. Yes. So we did two years of the internship. The first year we knew each other, but we weren't really friends. And then the second year we really became friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, if, what were we doing the first year? Why didn't we? I don't know. It was just, there was, there was more people. More. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, well, yeah. And I remember, you know what, you came to another point during the internship. Was it the first year or second year? I think during the second year, right? Second year, yeah. Yeah. Where you needed to like make a decision about your future, which is huge. And so can you tell us about that season and like what exactly you were facing? Yeah. So, um, you know, the internship, I think it was so much fun because we just got to check out so many different areas of church and just what you can do and um, yeah, what, what the church life entails and ministry. And um, yeah, you were actually such a huge part. And just when I was wondering about what to do next, I just remember so many conversations that we were having and, you know, I was saying like, I just feel like drawn in this direction or drawn in that and unsure of these things. And you were such an important voice um, in my life at that point. And I mean, up until now still, but um, so many talks about what to come next. And obviously at that point I'd been in Canada for two years and, um, yeah, really was thinking about what, what to do next after the internship. And, um, I kind of knew that the next step for me was university. And so the plan had been to come back to Germany. Um, so there'd already been so much back and forth, you know, grade 10 in Canada, two years back in Germany, two years back in Canada. And, um, yeah, but the plan was to come back to Germany because university is free here. And so my parents, especially my mom, you know, she would say, you've been gone for a couple of years and, you know, why don't you come home and you get a degree and then you won't have any student loans and you can spend some time with us and then you're free to kind of go wherever you want again. And so I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I had this whole plan you know, I picked the city I wanted to live in and the university I wanted to attend and my major and my minor. And um, I had found a church to go to and I even picked the house to live in. Oh, wow! So I had this whole plan. And then um, I just remember just feeling no peace about it. And I was so unsure if this was, you know, if I was making the right decision. But I thought, well, maybe it's just nerves. Like maybe I'm just, you know, I there's been so much back and forth and maybe I am just nervous about moving to yet another city and having to start over with community once again. And, um, yeah, so I thought maybe I'm just nervous. And so I asked my mom to pray. Um, and I obviously knew that she really wanted me to come back. And so my mom, um, went and prayed about it and she came back and she said to me, you know, I think that you're supposed to go to school in Canada. And so I think you should come back for the summer and then move back. Um, to Canada to go to school. And that was crazy to me. Um, and just such a confirmation that, you know, I really, I really was feeling something of God. Um, and I wasn't just feeling nervous. And so I ended up going back to Germany. 
Um, but I left most of my stuff in Canada because the plan was to come back in the fall. Right. So yeah. most of my clothes, my car, it was also in Canada and I didn't have a visa and I had no idea how to pay for school, but I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to go back and um, we're going to figure it out. Um, and that summer, it actually, it was such a crazy season and it really challenged my faith because I was just kind of waiting on the Lord. Like I literally was just like, okay. This is my favorite part of your story, by the way. (laughs) You know, I would not advise anybody to do this, but I really was just like, okay, God, like you have my yes, but I need to know that this is from you. And so I just said, I'm not going to work all summer. I'm just going to wait for you to provide for me. Um, And that was a very, I think, 19 year old thing to do. And like I said, I would not tell anybody else to do this, but that's my story. Um, So yeah, I just really wanted to know, you know, I I think I just knew that there's no way I can do four years abroad, you know, as an international student, um, you know, figuring this out if this isn't God. And so I just knew that it would be too hard. Like it's too expensive. I don't have the money. Uh, I don't have the health insurance. I don't have the job. Like I just knew that it would be too big of a thing to do on my own. Um, I think the internship had felt really manageable because it was like eight months at a time. This was four years, you know? And so I really knew that there's no way that I can make this happen unless this is God. And so I really was just like, okay, God, you have my yes, but I need to know that this is from you. Um, and so I was waiting and waiting and praying and praying and nothing was happening. And it, it was really challenging. Like that summer just really, really tested my faith. And I think especially because a lot of people here didn't get it. Um, and even in my family, people, you know, very well-intentioned. I think I would probably do the same thing to someone, but um, we're just like, I don't think you should do this. Like, I don't think it's smart. Um, and you should just go to school here. Like, why don't you just apply for a couple things? And I was like, no, I'm not applying for anything. I'm just going to wait on God. And, um, you know, time kept going and I just started to grow very worried about what would happen if God didn't come through for me. Right. Um, and so I, I think I was just worried about, you know, what would this do to my own faith? Not that it would change anything about God, but I, I really felt like, well, if I misheard him this in this big of a way, well, then what does that say about my relationship with him? Right. And like my connection mm-hmm. with him. And so I yeah, was just really worried about um, what would happen if God didn't come through for me. And um, it just crept closer and closer to September. And I was like, well, I have to do something. And so I ended up booking a flight um, with a return for Christmas and applying for a work permit. And so I just told my family, you know, I still have to get all my stuff. I have to sell my car. Um, So I'm just going to go until Christmas and work and try to figure out school. And if I can't make it happen by Christmas, then I'll come home and I'll start school here. And so they all said, you know, well, that makes sense. And um, I guess you do have to go get your stuff and sell your car. And um, yeah, so I had a plan, but I was really disappointed, you know, because I thought I thought God had told me to go to school full time and this was not what was happening. And the whole summer, it was so weird because the whole summer, so four months, God had been highlighting the story in the Bible to me. It's the story of um, a man named Lazarus who was really sick. And people kept telling Jesus, like, why don't you go heal him? And at this point in the Bible, there's been multiple stories of Jesus healing people. So they kind of know he can do this. And um, 
So they keep asking him and Jesus is just taking his time. And by the time he gets there, Lazarus has already died. And his sisters um, say to Jesus, if you had just been here um, before he died, you could have healed him. And God mm-hmm. just kept highlighting the story to me and kind of saying, you see how they had enough faith that um, to believe that Jesus could heal him, but they didn't have enough faith to believe that Jesus could raise him from the dead. And God just kept kind of putting this thought in my head of like, I can work outside of your timeline. Like you have this idea, right. Of like when you have to show up by, and you just like, just like Lazarus, like I can work past that point. And so I, I always had this thought in my mind, but then still I felt like, well, it's too late, you know? And, um, yeah, so I was kind of still anticipating, but I was also really disappointed. And, um, a week before my flight, I still didn't have a visa and nothing. And, Um, this person calls our home and they said that God put it on their heart to pay for my first year of school. And it was so crazy, you know, because part of me was like, well, of course this is happening. This is what I've been waiting for. And another part of me was like, there's no way this is happening. Like, this is crazy. Like these things don't happen. Cause it's not like I had been asking people, I hadn't applied for any loans. I'd literally just been waiting. And so out of nowhere, I didn't really know this person. Um, But they came over to the house and um, as they shared their story and what God had been doing in their heart, it just became so clear to me that this was just as much about God working in their heart and then their story then Mm. it was about me and God just so clearly said to me you know like this isn't just about you like this is about them too and what I'm doing in their life and and because of that I really felt like okay I can accept this um and so I had the money for school but I I didn't have a study permit because my work permit hadn't even been approved um (laughs) and so I literally got on the plane with no visa And I was just like, okay, God, like you came through on the money, you'll come through on everything else. Um, And on that flight, I had a layover in Dallas, Texas. And so I'm at the airport in Dallas and I checked my phone and I hadn't heard from the visa agency in in weeks and weeks, like probably a couple months. And I got an email from them and they denied my work visa. And so I'm in the Dallas airport and I'm all by myself and I don't have a visa and, you know, my luggage is already going to Canada. And I was kind of right. like, like, what do I do? <laughs> you know, I was like, am I supposed to turn around? Like, how am I going to get my bags? And so I was like, well, I guess the only way through or the only way forward is through. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Francis Chan quote popped in my head and I'll, I'll read it to you. But um, yeah. he's an author and he said, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I want people to look at my life and know that I couldn't be doing this by my own power. I want to live in such a way that I'm desperate for him to come through, that if he doesn't come through, I am screwed. And that quote popped in my mind as I'm, you know, standing in the airport all by myself. And I thought, I'm doing it. Like, this is it. I'm doing it. And I just had this crazy, like, joy fill me. Um, And I wasn't worried. And I was like really calm and I didn't even tell anybody because, you know, on the airplane, you can't call people and you don't have Wi-Fi, but in the airport you do. So I could have like called my parents or someone, Yeah. but I I didn't tell anybody. I just got on the plane and I was like, okay, God, you'll figure it out when I get there. And I get to Vancouver and I walk up to the customs booth um, and the guy is like, yeah, like, what do you want to do in Canada? And I, you know, I'm kind of like, well, 
I want to go to school, but I didn't apply for the study permit. And I'm kind of like stuttering my way through. And he just looks at my passport and he goes, well, your, your old visa is still valid for five days. So you can enter the country and you can apply for the study permit. Um, and then wait until we reach a decision. But if we deny your study permit, then you're out. And that was crazy because I had no idea that my visa was still valid. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I applied for the study permit and I started school and I lived off my savings um, for like a couple months until the permit was approved. Um, but I was there. I was doing it. So crazy. Like what, what a wild story. And I mean, that's not even your whole story, but just a wild part of your story. Um, so you, yeah, you made it to Canada, you enrolled into Summit, um, and you started university and, oh man, I remember we have so many good times (laughs) in our first year. Those 8 a.m. classes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, you would show up on time. I'd probably (laughs) get up, get there a bit later. Um, but hey, I remember during your first year of university, you experienced a bit of a, a darker season that I'm quite, I'm sure that some people that are listening, they can actually really relate to this. Um, so would you be willing to share kind of uh, what you experienced and how you coped with that? Yeah, for sure. Um, my first year of university, as you know, um, was pretty tough. I think just the journey of getting there um, as I just shared, you know, it was such a roller coaster that um, I think I just really just held on to this idea of getting there. And I never really thought about what it would be like actually being there. And um, and I think looking back now, um, kind of what had happened was this this pastor in Vancouver, Ryan Johnson, one time preached the sermon where he talked about um, holding on to the promise of God versus holding on to the God who gives the promise. Um, And so looking back, I feel like that's kind of what happened. Like I was holding so tightly to this idea that I had to get there and this calling that I felt to go into ministry and to become a pastor um, that I really kind of put my identity in that. And uh, when I should have just been holding on to God. And so once I got there, all of a sudden I was like surrounded by all these people who also wanted to be pastors, who also wanted to go into ministry and just a lot of comparison set in and a lot of insecurity, you know, around like, am I actually good enough to do this? Does anybody see this in my life? Um, and just really looking around, like, are they further along? And, you know, a lot of people that we knew at the time, they were already like working as youth pastors and, and preaching at big conferences and, uh, you know, just getting invited to all these things. And I felt like no one thinks that I can do this. And I, yeah, it was just battling a lot of insecurity Um, And then I think, yeah, really having this performance mindset again. And I think that combined with trying to juggle um, college and part-time job and church, as you know, in the internship, we were at church all the time. We did so many things um, and that was not realistic to uphold, but I was trying to, (laughs) um, you know, trying to do all the things. And so I really was just like stressing myself out too much. And um, I think, that fear that I wasn't good enough, um, really pushed me to not want to share that with anybody. Um, so I was just really worried that people would think I'm a failure and I can't do it. And so I kind of went back into that, um, internalizing my thoughts and just not really sharing with anybody. And I didn't want to share with people in Germany because I didn't want them to go, okay, this isn't working out. You should come home. And I didn't want to share with people in Canada because, 
I was already worried that they thought I couldn't do this. So I didn't want to share that I wasn't doing well and then have them say, well, clearly you're not cut out for this. Um, and so I actually started getting a lot of panic attacks. Um, and most of the time it would be actually in church um, or related to church. And that was really hard because church had been this place of comfort for me and this place of safety and encouragement. And so all of a sudden to have it flipped and actually be a place that really stressed me out and caused a lot of anxiety and, and literally to the point of panic attacks where I would have to leave a service or have to leave the building. Um, and even a period where I just didn't want to go to church because I was so worried about that happening. Um, and it, it really kind of brought me back to um, that mindset I had as a kid, you know, where, where church felt like this place where people had a high expectation um, and now in this case of what a pastor should be. And I was just constantly worried that people were looking at me um, and seeing how I wasn't measuring up to that. Um, and so, yeah, I really went back in that mindset. And so um, that was a really hard time. And I think I made it worse by just not, not talking about it and not actually acknowledging that I needed help in that time. Um, and so what ended up happening was that during midterms, we were at Denny's studying classic study location uh you know those 24 hour openings and the free coffee and the coffee really bad coffee but just it tastes so so good at 2 a.m and yeah so cheap and at 2 a.m it is what it is and those yeah it really is the perfect spot for like broke students with no sleep schedule so we were there a lot and um yeah, I remember it was midterms and we were sitting there studying and um, I was just so stressed out, right? And so anxious. And um, one of our friends was sitting across from me and asking me like, are you okay? And I just remember not making eye contact and just going like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, and he just like really like calmly, but like very sternly was like, no, you're not. And I was so taken aback. So I was like, who says that? You know, and like kind of looked at him and saw that he's actually not looking at like my face, he's looking at like the table. And so I like follow his gaze and my hand was clutched around the edge of the table, like so tightly that my knuckles were all white. And then I'm like kind of scanning, you know, like the rest of myself, like just like becoming really aware and like my legs like twitching on the plastic seat and my breath is like super shallow, like I'm kind of hyperventilating. And so I look at him again and he's like, you're not okay. Like you need to go see someone. And so he actually took me, like literally went with me to the school counselor and was like, you need, like, you need help. Um, Let's get this figured out. And I am like, so grateful. You know, I ended up going to counseling and it really, really changed my life. And I'm just so grateful for that friend because, you know, that's a really awkward thing to push into, um, like an uncomfortable thing to to push someone on. And obviously you need some sensitivity in that. You shouldn't just go around pushing people to go get counseling. Um, but in that moment, really, that was like the most loving thing um, he could have done for me. And so I'm so grateful. And um, yeah, it really, really helped me. Yeah, no, that's amazing. Like it's, it's great to see his courage to like kind of encourage you to go and your bravery to even do it. So that's, that's amazing. And I agree. Counseling is wonderful. But my question is, do you think counseling fixed everything for you? No, like obviously not. You know I mean? 
I'm, I'm so grateful that I went, but counseling didn't change anything about my outward circumstances, right? Like counseling didn't change the fact that I didn't know how to pay for school and it didn't change the stress of juggling all my time. And it, it didn't all of a sudden, you know, give me the opportunities I was looking for. Like counseling didn't change any of that. Um, and it didn't change my heart either. I think ultimately Jesus changes our hearts, you know, but what counseling did do was give me the skills to deal with that. You know, like it really equipped me with how do I react in situations when I start to feel anxiety come up and like, how do I react when I feel insecure or I feel left out or I feel stressed. And so, yeah, it didn't change anything on the outside, but it sure changed things on the inside um, and just gave me tools to, to deal with my life situation at the time. And I'm honestly so, so grateful for my counselor because as I shared previously, I usually would internalize so many things and I was so scared of people thinking I was a failure, but counseling really was the safe space where I could just really voice, you know, all the things that worried me, all the things that caused my anxiety. And so, um, yeah, I'm so, so grateful. Like I, I say that obviously choosing Jesus was the best decision of my life. But after that, going to counseling is definitely sick because yeah, Yeah. I just don't know where I would have ended up if I hadn't gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's so incredible. So your last final three years of university, um, can you share a little bit more of like what that was like, like the ups and the downs that you experienced? Because the first year was hard, but let's talk about the last three years. Yeah. So I would say that it was very steadily, you know, getting better because I was just finding kind of more of my groove, like figuring out a better schedule. I, you know, ended up getting hired with when, and that was amazing. And we ended up um, both of us going to a new church plant. Um, and that was amazing. And so it just felt like things were kind of sorting itself out. So I was getting more settled in the way that my life was. Um, and there was a lot of good things, but obviously there were still challenges. Um, and actually after the first year of college, um, you know, I was doing a lot better with the anxiety, but I was very worried about the next three years. Um, and at that point, obviously didn't know about any of the good things that were coming. And so I very spontaneously booked a trip back to Germany and I didn't tell my parents I was coming. Um, so they were very surprised and they were even more surprised when I was like, I think I should drop out. Like, I, I don't think I should go back. I don't think I should be doing this anymore. And they were kind of like, what are you talking about? Cause I hadn't shared any of this with them, right? Like the whole year, I never said that it was hard. And so they were like, what are you talking about? Like, you're just showing up out of the blue and saying that you want to drop everything. Um, and I, applied for, I think, 11 programs in Germany, just because I was like, so worried about the next three years. And I was like, there has to be something here, right, that I'm going to get in. Um, And I so vividly remember um, on that visit, I was only here for a couple of weeks. um, I was talking with my dad and my dad's not a Christian. And so I actually thought that he would be pumped that I want to drop out and come back. You know, I thought he would be like, this is your first sensible decision in a few years. Um, but my dad literally was like, you're not allowed to quit. Like you're going back and you're finishing this. And I was like bawling my eyes out. And I was like, I just had the worst year and I'm so scared. And like, you're going to force me to go back. 
And my dad was like, yeah. Like he's like, all you ever talk about is the church and all these programs that you want to do. And he's like, you don't get to quit just because you have one heart year. Um, and that was, you know, in the moment it felt like really tough love, but I'm so grateful because it really gave me that push to feel like he doesn't even believe in this, but he sees this in my life. And so he's like, no, you're like, you're pushing through this. And I think just really trust that that one heart year doesn't mean that the rest is going to be this hard. Yeah. And And, you know, I knew that like, if it was like, he obviously, he wouldn't have forced me to do three more years, but, um, in that moment, he's like, you're at least going to try. And so, yeah, I came back and, and things that get better, like I said, with the job and with our church plan and, and friends and just really settling into things. Um, but then at the end, you know, of our university experience, obviously there was COVID Mm -hmm. Uh, and that really changed a lot of things for us a lot uh yeah and so um I you know the summer before our senior year so summer 2020 I was supposed to spend the whole summer in Germany and um you know that didn't happen because of travel restrictions I couldn't go and that was really really hard for me because I was really excited after you know three years to go uh, spend some extended time with my family, with my friends here. And um, I, it had also meant, you know, the, the opportunity to not pay rent for the summer, um, to earn money in euros. Um, and so that would be more money in Canadian. And so it was also um, a lot to do with the provision around paying for the last year of school. Right. And when that didn't happen, I was very upset with God. Uh, I was just really like grieving and obviously the whole world was shut down. And so it felt uh, really like, yeah, like, what do I do? Like, what are my options here? And kind of like, I'm so close to the finish line. Now what? Um, And things really changed when um, a friend, like a very, like not a close friend, someone I barely talked to reached out out of the blue and they were like, I just really felt you put on my heart. And I felt like I'm supposed to tell you that, um, God is worthy of your worship in every season, like no matter what. Mm. And again, that was some tough love because I was like, I'm suffering here and you're just going to tell me this. Um, But that really like changed the game for me. And I ended up going on a walk every day just around our neighborhood, you know, um, as you could safely. Um, (laughs) um, And just really like kind of like wrestling it out with God. And um, I think that really changed things for me because shifting that perspective that God's always worthy of our worship, it really showed me like God didn't change, you know, like my circumstances, my circumstances may have changed, but God's not the one who changed. Um, And it it really showed me his heart that even if things don't go as planned, that doesn't change his heart towards me. That doesn't change his love towards me or his kindness. And so um, it really changed me being mad at him to me just grieving the situation with him Hmm. so you know on the walks like so many times I would be like I'm really sad and just feel like God's like I know like me too and like he was just like in it with me yeah Um, and and it it is really crazy because I was thinking about this today you know preparing for this that um the summer before we started college I had this crazy story of really wrestling through my faith with God and then provision showed up And then the last summer of college, the same thing basically happened because I was really wrestling through this 
and then not knowing how to pay for my last year of school and provision showed up again, like out of the blue, like, you know, this. And so I was thinking that you're like, wow, what a crazy way to kind of bookend this college experience, you know, like, um, and what a reminder that it's like, God really is the same in every season and he, he doesn't stop being faithful. And so that was really, really cool. Yeah. That's so encouraging. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I love that. Oh man. So that was Canada (laughs) and that was crazy and amazing. So why don't you share where you're at right now? Because yeah. you're not in Canada. <laughs> yeah, so I am in Germany right now. <laughs> um, and it is pitch black outside as we're filming this. It is daytime for you, but it is yeah. pitch black winter here. Yeah. Um, so I ended up moving back, like not visiting, moving back four months ago um, after, you know, our graduation from college. Yeah. And that's really crazy. Like this was not the plan. Um, as you know, and you know, I, um, I turned 24 recently and last year when I turned 23, um, you were out with me for my birthday and some other girls. And we talked about this, you know, we talked about what's the plan for after college. And, um, and my plan was not this, as you know, you know, I was really planning like after college, I'm going to move downtown Vancouver with some of my best friends. I'm going to be you know, hopefully dating this guy I was excited about at the time and uh, working full time and getting permanent residency and, you know, life, I just had this really clear picture of what life was supposed to look like. And obviously that's not the life I'm living right now. Um, right. What had kind of happened was I just felt God almost like invite me to trust him one more time. And just really being like, will you like take another step of faith? And of course the answer was yes. Like looking back, God's been so faithful. Like how could I say no? Yeah. Um, But it has been very different than I expected it to be, you know, coming back. And there's been a lot of grief, to be honest, around this life that I thought I would be living a year ago and the life that I'm actually living now. But But as I've learned, looking back, you know, God is so faithful. And someone said to me a few weeks ago that, well, Paula, if you look at your story, this is not the first time this has happened to you. And so if experience has taught you anything, you know that God's going to come through for you. Yeah. And and that was kind of wild to me because I hadn't even thought about it like that. But just someone else, like someone objective, that was so obvious looking at my story yeah. Um, and so I, I really do feel like it's that pattern that kind of God and I have, you know, where it's like, I make a plan and he overthrows the plan and I freak out and then he comes through. Yeah. Um, but what I think is crazy is one that he's just so faithful through it all. Um, yeah. But also that, um, you know, I get to learn another, like a new thing about him yeah. every single time that he just kind of doesn't give up, you know, and it, yeah. it really is like a going deeper every time and he's so consistent in his love yeah. and his kindness through all of that so yeah I'm excited what he's gonna do here yeah I mean yeah and, and you've already answered um this but as we wrap up here um what has he shown you in this journey like maybe you can touch a little bit more on that briefly of his faithfulness but yeah why don't you share a little bit of how what he's shown you throughout the whole journey yeah, for sure um so yeah again definitely his faithfulness but also I think just how committed he is to each of us in the journey you know I feel like um God really showed me 
a while ago that time is not because he needs it. You know, obviously God is outside of time, but because we as humans need time and we really can process everything at once. And so um, God already knows how things are going to go and how things are going to turn out in the end. Um, but I'm the one, you know, that needs the time, that needs the processing um, and that just needs right. the step by step. And I probably couldn't handle knowing everything that's going to happen in my life for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and so God's really shown me and I've, I've learned that he's so committed to us in the process, you know, as we go, that really this image that I had of him as a kid or maybe even in my first year of college um, that, you know, he's someone that's kind of has a list of demands and he's checking off if we meet them. That's so not true. Like that's not who God is. Yeah. Um, so I really got to learn like his kindness that, yeah, in, in the journey, in the process, as we grow and we change, like he's so faithful and he's so kind and he's so loving and patient, you know? And so I'm just so grateful all the time that I get to do this with God. Cause I feel like I'd be so lost if I had to do this life on my own. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just his faithfulness and his kindness, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Uh, well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I mean, I know so many people are going to be encouraged by you. I mean, this is probably my 10th time hearing the story and I'm just so encouraged. And so, yeah, I, I'm so grateful for what he's done in your life and all the lessons you've learned that you're just so willing to share with us. So I'm thankful that you shared with such authenticity. Thank you. Thank you. I love doing this. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Paula, for sharing your beautiful and powerful story. As you heard, Paula's story is filled with the understanding that Jesus is always with her. If you would like to experience that same relationship, you can simply follow me in this prayer. Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins and giving me eternal life. Take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. Wow, what an incredible story. Thank you for joining us, and we truly hope that you were touched by the words you heard here today. If you have any questions or would simply like to connect with us, go to our website at www.whenetwork.ca. Also, make sure to give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at WhenCanada and check out our YouTube at Women's Heart Engaging Network. Thanks again, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye.